We talk about bad movies a lot on this show, but what I would like to tell you about very quickly is a good thing, and that is the Podcast Republic app for Android devices. If you want to hear your podcasts and have them easily organized and trackable, all you got to do is download the Podcast Republic app from the Google Play Store. You find your favorite podcasts, you favorite them, and then your episodes drop into your feed every time they're posted. The Podcast Republic app on the Google Play Store. Welcome to Dissecting the 80s. I am Trip Lano, one half of the Mega Podcasting Powers. And with me, as always, is my tag team partner, a man who knows if you want to make award-winning chili, you've got to source the best meat. The Macho Mandrew. Andrew Lano. I got nothing. <laughs> I, I was like, I, my, I'm like in a fog. I'm sorry. <laughs> Right up top here. Sorry for having to call an audible. We uh, we ended up uh, switching movies from Ten Little Indians to Texas Chainsaw Massacre Two. So hopefully you all saw that on social media. If you didn't, this would be a good time for you to follow us on Facebook and Twitter because that's where we let people know of little things like this when they come up. And if you have a copy of Ten Little Indians uh, and want to send it to us, DM us on Twitter. Yes. Turns out you can't find this movie except a VHS copy from Australia. Yes. Uh, literally could not find it legally or illegally anywhere. So if you know somewhere, you have a copy, whatever, maybe you have a rental house that has three VHS tapes and that's one of them, send it our way. Yeah, we would love to get into Frank Stallone and Donald Pleasance doing Agatha Christie, but unfortunately, there was not to be. Uh, so we watched the Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 to continue Canonuary, which is now also Toby Her- Hooper's birthday month. So congr- uh, happy birthday, Toby. It's now his birthday month? He changed his birthday? Well, we were only doing one Toby Hooper movie in January, and now we have done two Toby Hooper movies this January. And his birthday is like the 23rd or the 25th or something like that. Uh, he's no longer with us, but it would be his birthday. So happy birthday, R.I.P. Mr. Hooper. <laughs> In any case, we watched the sequel to his most famous film, The Texas Chainsaw Massacre. So, you know what that means. We gotta go back. We gotta go dissect the 80s. It's your tonally confusing sequel. Something's gotta be done about your tonally confusing sequel. When the mega powers explode. I'm talking about the 80s. Oh, yeah. Great Scott. Cream of the crop. When this baby hits 88 miles per hour, you're gonna see some serious shit. Tonally confusing is absolutely right when you're talking Texas Chainsaw 2. And it's such a bummer, because I'm into the idea of like a black comedy clue meets original scary movie meets National Lampoon version of Texas Chainsaw, but... This movie could not decide what it wanted to... Well, rather, I should say, the studio and Toby Hooper could not agree on what the movie should be, is what I should say. It's it's weird, too, because I, I had never seen this before we watched it for this episode, and so I only knew it by reputation, which is we touched on a little bit in the previous episode, and I don't want to rehash forever, but like this is a black comedy version of Texas Chainsaw, and it kind of is, but it's also very odd comedy as well like it's not it's not the kind of peter jackson-esque thing i was expecting from like i was expecting a splatter comedy sort of Mm -hmm. like uh dead alive i don't know if you've actually ever seen that but i've seen dead alive yeah so that in the soup 
Yeah, yeah. So I was expecting that kind of thing where it's like kind of horrifying but Looney Tunes-ish. And this isn't quite... Th- like, some of this is pretty gnarly to me, I thought. Yeah, it... it, it like I said, it, it kind of waffles in between. It never, like, securely sits in either black comedy or horror. It kind of wants to straddle both lines. And I, I, I'm 100% that sure that's the studio and Toby Hooper fighting about, like, oh, you turned in a comedy? No, we have to make it scary. Like, yeah. Yeah. Without reshoots. It's just <laughs> editing. Because there's a couple of cool, scary moments in this, and, and we can we can dive into all this in, in just a sec. But yeah, I it's a few things that I wrote that was like that the way this is would have been hilarious in a different movie. Yeah. Uh, a couple of those moments. Yeah, yeah. So we start with the crawl of text, just like the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And I, I, I do want to ask that question before we start. I'm sorry. Have you seen the first movie? Have you seen the original 70s Texas Chainsaw Massacre? I remember bits and pieces. I don't remember all of it. It's been okay. a long time. Okay. I, I don't. I don't like that kind of gritty seventies horror. I don't okay. like that. It's, it just doesn't do anything for me. I like heightened slasher okay. kind of stuff. Because I genuinely love the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I I watched it for the first time maybe three years ago as part of like a halloween to check off some stuff i'd never seen kind of thing and i was so smitten so entertained so quickly it's like not just scary because i i think it still is quite effective and scary but it's also like gorgeously shot for being shot on cheap film you know gritty garbage yeah. film uh, there's some really impressive shots that they were able to make on that set that are fabulous i mean just really genuinely great so I highly recommend that movie if you've never seen it. It's uh, relatively it's, bloodless too. Yeah, that's what I was getting at. It's there's still like human body parts in the movie, right? Like there's like severed bits, but it's not like this movie where you're seeing like uh, you know someone gets their head chopped off and you see blood spurting out. Although to be fair, in this one it's pretty Monty Python esque of like yeah. you know you know blood squirting out. But yeah, it's yeah. <laughs> I always think like when we talk about stuff like this, that like one day I'm going to be accused of a crime and I'm going to be in court and they're going to be like, we'd like to play this tape. And you know, it's like, you know, I'm going to, it's going to be some like insane circumstances, wrong place, wrong time. And I get accused of like a, you know, triple homicide. And they're like, we'd like to play you this tape from his podcast. And I'm like, and there's this great shot where this guy's head gets cut off and you can see his brain and the blood's like, bleh, 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 bleh. And it's so funny. And the jurors are going to be like clutching their pearls. And then I'm going to be <laughs> sentenced to death. So I, I, I'm always thinking about that. Maybe my lawyer can play this clip to defend me against that clip. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, there's some gags in this movie that. Like from someone who's a big nerd for practical effects and has seen a lot of horror movies and is somewhat desensitized to it, I guess, at this point, although certain movies still get to me. Uh, some of this stuff is kind of amusing in the like, oh, man, this is cool because I'm a big dork way. Yeah, I agree with that. So anyway, we talked for almost seven minutes to get into it. So I apologize, to everybody. But uh, we start with these this the, the crawl explaining that the... Leatherface family happened. Yes. And they were never caught. And now there's these similar murders happening, but they're happening on the road all over Texas. So people are kind of unsure with what's going on and trying to get to the bottom of that. Yeah. Uh, And again, it's one of the, the movie is kind of unclear. So the, the weekend, the movie takes place is supposed to be this big football event that um, it's like a real thing. It's a real college football rivalry. Yeah. The red river showdown. Yeah, um, 
But I think the movie is trying to imply that it's also the same weekend that the first movie took place. Like, it's mm. like, um, like oh, on, whenever, like, you know, August, the weekend of August 2nd in 1970, blah, 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 is when it first one happened. Huh. I it missed felt, that. It felt to me like there were a couple, like, lines of dialogue that seemed to imply, like, this time of year, like, it's not just football fans that show up to our town. And I, I maybe I misread it. So, uh, you're definitely in probably in the right ballpark i'm also just wondering if it's like september october is a nice time to take vacation in texas because it's not as hot like that's true it it could be a time that people are taking you know weekend trips and things like that um i don't i don't know that for sure but it's a good question to ask honestly it's weird the the connections to the first film are honestly super duper vague um dennis hopper's character is supposed to be the uncle of two of the characters from the first movie. And I, as someone who really likes the first movie, uh, I, I don't remember character names very well. So that's obviously a fault of mine, but the girl who survived and someone else. Yes. Franklin, the guy in the wheelchair in the movie. Um, and later that comes back, but I, I did not put together that connection until le- reading it later on the internet, which I, was interesting. But anyway, so we get the scroll, we get the crawl, we cut to, we're in a convertible with these two... After three minutes of credits. Yeah, it's very, very... They're padding this runtime. Run it's This movie is like a 95-er, but the runtime on the in the on the tin is like 100 minutes because of like long credits on both ends. Yeah. So we got these two guys in this convertible, and one is wearing like those reflective round sunglasses that... Uh, this is a reference that for... The 3D a, shapes? Yes, uh, that I believe his name was Chris Moneymaker wore in the World Series of Poker days in the uh, early the early aughts back during the poker craze. Do you remember the poker craze? I remember that it happened. Yes. Well, I don't think you played, but I played a lot of poker. I played a couple times, but I never fully grasped it. Like I, I never retained it beyond that. What like the game that I was currently playing? Yeah. I just like always forgot. Yeah, I played many hours of poker. Yeah, I always think of them as like things you'd get on a boardwalk in like the late 90s yeah that's that's fair so it's it's him and another dude and they're driving in this convertible and they have a car phone and they call this radio station and they're like oh hey you know sexy radio voice lady what's going on and at this point i have no idea that this movie is about the radio station dj which i thought was like kind of an interesting piece that that's how it was a cool character introduction Mm -hmm. and well this also confused me because she keeps trying to get them to hang up. And I was like, aren't phones two ways? I like, can't. So you can you hang up your phone. So you can actually see as she's saying that the producer on the other end is like frantically unplugging quarter inch uh, cables. Coax. Yeah. I don't think. No, not coax. Uh, quarter inch like audio cables, like yeah. uh, like for an amplifier to a guitar. And he's like frantically unplugging, like he can't figure out which one hangs up the phone, which was so bizarre to me. Like, presumably there's an actual phone in this circuit that he could just hit a button on. But it looked like they were trying to imply he's like, I can't figure out how to turn it off. Click, 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 you know, plug, plug, plug. Yeah, it was very bizarre because I was like, I th- like phones have, b- have worked that way for a while. <laughs> yeah, they have a hang up button for sure. Um, so these guys, while driving and harassing this DJ, get into a game of chicken with a random pickup truck, which then turns out to be the Leatherface family inside. Several hours later. Yeah, yeah. It's a weird time jump that didn't have to be there. No, it doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Like, you could easily have set it at, like, dusk 
so that the sun is going down while they're on this call and then it's dark when they're like getting attacked. Yeah. It would have been exactly. very simple. You know, especially that would have given you like a nice excuse for the top to be down. Like, you know, it's dusk, it's beautiful, the sun's oh, yeah. fading. Yeah. Uh, anyway, they get accosted by the the Leatherface family and um this is the scene that I've seen before where they're like he's operating a human body like a puppet and then holding yeah. a chainsaw. Yeah. So Leatherface is like doing a real disgusting pantomime, like with a human in front of him as a a puppet, basically. And then he starts attacking their car with a chainsaw. And it was interesting. I, I did a, I actually did a, a bunch of research on this movie uh, more than usual because I was kind of fascinated by it. And mm-hmm. the several reviews that I read pointed out that this scene makes it very clear that you're watching a movie as opposed to the sort of gritty documentary style of filming they use in the first one, which I think... I can see that. And I I, I think that's probably pretty close to what Toby Hooper would have been intending, as this is more of a black comedy, because the other one feels extremely real all the time, and so it he... It feels like something you found in your friend's basement, Yes, and you're like, where, where is this from? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I... I the tagline, keep telling yourself it's only a movie, is not... is. That's not... Um, okay, is that Last House on the Left? Yes. Okay, That's Last right. House. Okay, because I was like, it's a 70s movie, is that? Okay, but you could... No, it's, th- uh, who will survive... Who will who will be who who will survive till dawn and what will be left of them? Okay, you could easily have used the same tagline for the original Texas Chainsaw. It's very gritty, very kind of like lived in feel. Like doesn't feel like a movie. And this, the tone is much bigger. Like it's 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 very much an '80s sequel. It's you turn the volume up a little bit more, and it's like all those things that you want in this are now th- here twice as much. You know, crank the volume, get loud, flashy and loud. Yeah, yeah, a little bit of cocaine. Yeah, yeah. A a lot of bit of cocaine from what i understand in the production yeah. uh yeah dennis hopper has been i could not find the original quote but i saw people alleging that he has once said at one time or another said that he doesn't remember making this movie <laughs> so when i see dennis hopper my idiot lizard brain goes to king koopa from Super <laughs> Mario, just because that's what i knew him which is interesting because this movie was for the longest time. It was like, this is, that's the worst movie I ever made. Texas Chainsaw two. And then he did Super Mario brothers. And he's like, no, that's the worst movie I ever made. And then I assume later in his career, just like everything post 2004 is that list. <laughs> but this is so Dennis Hopper is a fascinating part of this, but to finish up. So these guys get attacked in the convertible. Uh, there's a really good gag where they, they, Leatherface is like chopping at the car and he's like cutting pieces off of it. And there's like a, like it would be, I don't think it's funny in this scene, but I think there's a version where this is funny where the dude in the passenger seat, like kind of thinks they got away and he looks over and the other dude has like just a horrible head wound from a chainsaw and is like missing part of his head. Yeah. Like this is, I feel like this movie could have benefited from a John Landis, Mel Brooks, once over yeah just like hey there's comedy in here and that's what we want to highlight let's tighten that up just because i i think that like that joke could be really funny like that would be very mel brooksy very clue like that's i think that's funny but this movie doesn't play it right yeah there's a there's a version of this scene where the dude in the passenger seat with a gun who's been like shooting at leatherface this whole time is like woohoo we got away and he looks over and the other dudes like just there's nothing there's like no head and he just like they go careening off into a ditch and like 
you know, like a real big launch of the car type jump has to happen there, which probably wasn't in the budget for this movie. Um, allegedly, Canon kept screwing with the budget on this. Like, they had a bunch of movies coming out while it was in production. And so, like, yeah. one of the movies did really well. So they gave them a bunch of extra money. And then the next movie tanked. So they came and took a bunch of money. And they did that, like, multiple times. Again, allegedly. That's the best way to make a movie. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a shifting budget number. So, yeah. I, th- like, that scene could be really funny. But to me, it's not. That's why, like, I, I don't feel that this is a black comedy. Personally, it's something weird in the horror comedy realm, I guess. But I, I have a hard time putting it in a specific box. It has all the pieces of a black comedy. They're just not put together in the right order. Right. So they, the guy has a big car crash. We cut to the next morning and Dennis Hopper pulls up to this crime scene investigation. And they're like, he sees the weird sunglasses and he's like looking over this car and the car is like careened into a bridge abutment and is like just a mangled mess. And it's got chainsaw chunks out of like, slices into the door yeah and none of the cops investigating it have like any concerns over the fact that there's very clearly two different things happened to this car like there was an accident but also and this is where i thought it was like gonna be a nightmare like a nightmare on elm street situation Uh because as soon as he's like uh these look like chainsaw marks there's clearly more isn't all that happened and they're like, why don't you shut up about talking about chainsaws in this part of town? Yeah, exactly. And I was like, oh, we've, it's like a conspiracy. Like, we all agreed to not talk about it. Nope, that never comes to fruition. Yeah, it's a very, very strange choice. So the DJ tries to help, and he's, like, not having it. And we... Because she says she has the tape. She's like, I saved the tape of this phone call where the... I was on air when people died on air with me. Yes, yeah. I have this tape. Which feels bigger story that we're not touching on. Yeah. But okay. I, I think that it's supposed to be that this is a very small radio station that doesn't have necessarily a big fan base. So not a lot of people heard this happen. And in, yeah. in, in the 80s, it wasn't like, you know, somebody would have been listening and then recorded it on their phone and then posted it on YouTube. And then and then and then and then and then and then like there isn't the mechanism for viralness t- that exists. So what? So just spitballing. So obviously the radio isn't really a big thing anymore. What sort of current technology do you think they would use to get the same effect? Twitch. Like the guys are Twitch are are live streaming on Twitch? Yeah. In the car? Yeah, they're doing what's, what's her angle then? Is she just watching and having yeah. to be like downloading it as it's happening? It's like a real small live video like either Twitch or I'm sure there's other services that I'm not familiar with cuz I am an old but Periscope, like, Facebook Live, yeah, Instagram yeah, Live. Yeah, I'm, the reason I say Twitch is because it would have to be like a smaller channel that this thing happened on. And Twitch, much to the chagrin of this old man, doesn't like save the video. So you either like watch it when it's happening or you don't watch oh, it. I didn't know that. Yeah. The, the, as, uh, someone out there is screaming at their device being like, you idiot, you just click this button. But there's been things where I'm like, oh, I would watch that. And I click on it and it's like, this user is not streaming right now. So in my limited old manness, I have not been able to <laughs> figure out. Perhaps there is a mechanism by which they're archived, but I don't know them. So it seems like the point of it is like you're there when they're there or you're not there and that's it. So it could very easily be that. And someone's like, it's a small Twitch streamer. And this person's like, oh, I saw this thing happen, but I don't really have any proof kind of deal. Okay, that's valid. I was just curious what contemporary. 
when they remake it in 15 years. Or it'll be like a sexy version and it'll be like a cam person. Okay. Like an internet sexy model. I know. I got, I understand. I'm explaining it for the listeners who might not know what that is. There are people out there listening beyond you. Sometimes. So (laughs) that could be it. It's like, and that would add a wrinkle where the person who saw the crime is like too embarrassed to come forward because they were watching sexy chat. It could be a dude who's like not out of the closet. Yeah. That's another angle. Watching a dude. Yeah. I'm into that. Yeah. So that's, that's, I think what it would happen. But anyway, she's got this tape. Dennis Hopper's like, eh, go away. And then we cut to this chili cook-off where, like, she's cook- covering a chili cook-off, and the guy who wins is the only person who comes back from the first Texas Chainsaw movie, and Correct. he is made very clearly a pot of human chili that everyone is like, nom, 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 I love this chili. And then the woman who is, like, the host of this event takes a bite and then pulls, like, on a huge bone out of her mouth. Oh, I thought it was a tooth. Oh, I thought it was like a finger bone. Oh, maybe. Metatarsal, I believe that's called. Uh, I think that's only in your foot, isn't it? it oh, I'm trying. <laughs> anyway, he's like, oh, no, that's a... That's a... Peppercorn. Yes, that's what he says. That's a peppercorn. And then she's like, oh, okay. And he like takes... It's like the size of a good cherry tomato. Mm-hmm. <laughs> For the people who haven't seen this movie. It's like a pretty good sized object. Well, and it, this is so confusing, like, what her job is, because sometimes she's, like, taking requests on the radio, and then they also send her into the field to record. Like, I think what it's, is your role here? I think it's supposed to be, like, you know, in the Philadelphia area, there's Preston and Steve, which are yeah. you know, two hugely famous morning radio guys. They, like, host events and stuff. I guess, yeah. So I think it's just the local version of that. It's, like, she's the major DJ at this station, and so she has to go get some, you know, live report from the Texas Oklahoma chili cookoff. Okay. So Drayton uh, is the creepy guy from the first Texas Chainsaw. He looks like a ventriloquist dummy. <laughs> he is a very unusual looking human. Like he, I, I, there's who's that, um, that comedian who uses ventriloquist dummies? Jeff Dunham. Yeah, one of because every time they have an ad, it's like him and like four of his puppets. Yeah. One of the puppets straight up just looks like this guy. Uh, I, I think I know which one you mean. Also, Jeff Dunham can suck it. He's a racist monster. I mean, I'm I just I'm just putting assume. it out there. I'm just putting it out there. When you have a puppet called Ahmed the Dead Terrorist, you're dead to me. I, yeah, I, I, I would have assumed based on just him as a person. Yeah. In any case, we go to Dennis Hopper. And so this is this is. I'm not a huge Dennis Hopper fan. I think he's done like very good things and obviously has had an amazing career that he did so many cool things. I tend to like buck wild, insane Dennis Hopper. And the first half of this movie, he's like flirting with it. And I'm very disappointed. And then the second half of the movie, we get the Dennis Hopper that I want, which is just like chewing the scenery, screaming the kind of like absolute madman that we know he can be. The he does so in Blue Velvet, which came out relatively the same time and is not really com- comparable to anything because it's a David Lynch movie and those are super weird. But he plays this dude who's like capable of turning on a switch like in a second and becoming like snapping. And so he's this crazy evilish guy, evil guy who is like always right on the edge of cutting your face off. 
And he's awesome at that. And in this movie, he doesn't do enough of the like, it's like, he's supposed to be a good guy. So it's kind of a weird thing. Honestly, I felt like his character didn't have to be in this movie. No, he doesn't get anything to do at all until the very, very end, which he gets something very cool to do at the end. But until then, he has a lot of farting around. It's just uh, like this whole movie is very muddy and it's disappointing because the idea is really cool to me because um, he like every scene he's in is, is it's just like, what's happening? Why are you doing this? Right. What is happening? What is your mo- what is what do you what am I what am I supposed to take away from this? There's a scene that happens in just a second. So first we'll do like probably my favorite scene in the movie, which is when he goes to the chainsaw store, <laughs> which is a real yeah. real place in Texas. And uh, I have not been there or anything, but I found this out later. But he like goes to this back room and they flick the lights on. And it's like the scene in Terminator 2 where they go to the underground bunker and they have like the weapons cache. And it's like, you know, the Gatling gun and all this stuff. And it's just chainsaws of every conceivable size. And he's like this wide-eyed wonder look as he looks at all these chainsaws. And then the guy's like, oh, they all got gas in them. Give them a try if you want. Which, no, that is not how you have showroom items. And he no. goes outside and he rip starts this chainsaw and just starts going like hot ham on this log. He's like chopping it like it's an axe, like onto this this log. Which like I, I'm not I've not used chainsaws a lot in my day, but that seems like not the right way no. to use them. No, you don't swing a chainsaw. That seems like, like a an real axe. easy way to get injured. Yes, or break the blade and get injured by a flying bit of shrapnel. But the as he's going he as he's doing this to the log he feels like leatherface in the way he's like chopping at it and like snarling yes. and kind of smiling and then the guy who owns or runs the chainsaw store is like Jerking smiling it. and getting yeah okay <laughs> he is i was going to say getting off <laughs> well i'm saying what he was doing which is basically tugging it stroking it pulling the patch it's it's so, but it's he goes so weird. Like, it's so he, weird. He goes from being like, "What is happening here?" to like three or four more close-up shots to finally him like grand finale, and it's very bizarre. I was honestly waiting for a good portion of this movie for Dennis Hopper to be part of the Leatherface family. I, that's what I thought. We were, I was like, "Are we supposed to believe, think that? Like, is that yeah. our endgame here?" So right after the chainsaw thing. Dennis Hopper is sitting on the stairs with Stretch, the radio DJ we've been talking about, um, who's an awesome character, by the way, and we'll obviously talk about that as we go here. But they have this conversation on the stairs where he's like, hey, you should play the tape. We'll get attention. The cops aren't working with me. And he kind of explains what he's doing. But I needed a little bit more here where he's like, these guys killed some members of my family. It's not just... Uh, investigation for me anymore this is personal like i i need to bring these people to justice uh, you know this has consumed my life like i need this i need I the, needed the wallet open and the photo fo- i needed like here flip open my wallet here's yeah. a photo of the people from the first movie or whatever i, I honestly wanted it to be and they play with like 90 percent of these cliches like i i need it to be the cowboy on the final mission, right? Like, like, like Clint Eastwood and Unforgiven is the stereotypical answer to this because it's the best version of that story that's ever been told. But it's like a classic, classic story that's been used in all different types of movies and in television and in like pro wrestling, even. Like, it's a great story. It's the old gunfighter has one more job to do. And that's like, yeah. that's exactly what he should be doing in this movie. And he does 70% of that kind of performance, maybe. 
but there's just not enough meat to get there all the way. And I feel like if they have that, this movie is 15% better, like right off the bat. Yeah, it's kind of just this movie is underwhelming is kind of how I feel about it. Yeah. Because there's so much potential, like all the parts are pretty cool, but like it either if you it either needed to have just been edited into a straight up horror movie or edited into a comedy horror instead of this weird middle ground that we ended up with. And I'm right. gonna say that I'm sorry I keep saying that, but that it's just it's a bummer to have to watch this movie and be like, oh, I don't I don't know what I'm supposed to feel. Yeah, because you don't know what you're supposed to feel. like the movie, the production company, like no one knew what was going to happen here. Right, right. It's almost awesome. Yeah, it's so close. Yeah. It has all the necessary components. It's just not utilized. So she plays this tape on the radio, and apparently she's just like playing it constantly. And uh, her producer is like coming in, is like, you got to stop playing this tape. And she's like, hey, I put it down as a request. So people complain about the request line all the time. It's not a big deal. And he's like, this is bad. Like, you shouldn't be doing this. This is inviting You're trouble. You're literally playing someone's murder sounds. Yes, yes. Like, let's just think. I also think he's like, hey, you heard a chainsaw in there, too. We know the legend of this area. Th- th- this is bad. Like, this is bad. This is not good. You can't just be, like, fiddling around with this. This is dangerous. Yeah. And I think that w- that the movie would have benefited from more of that, like, the town knows what's going on and looks the other way situation. Right. So she does this a bunch of times. And then she does a radio sign off and he uses the same version of uh, the national anthem as in Poltergeist to like sign off yeah. for the day, which I thought was a cute little thing. Um, that's like the perfect a little tug on the ear to Steven Spielberg. Yes. <laughs> well, <laughs> that maybe he made that decision. No, that's what I mean. Like, it's like, no, Carol Burnett tugged on her ear. I know you said a tug remote. on the ear to Steven Spielberg. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. I got you now. I'm sorry. Um, but yeah, like that is the per- like people talk about directors sneaking little stuff like in that into their movies, and I'm generally fine with that stuff. But this is like the perfect way to do it. Like only a dork is going to notice this, and it's it, it not doesn't take you out of the movie. It's perfectly normal. Although I wonder, and I have no idea. So somebody out there, please let us know. I know that that was a thing on television where they were just like, "Hey, we're done for the day," and then like there was just nothing airing. And it seems so odd to me that that would be the case on radio. But I guess. There was no mechanism by which you could just like have music playing continuously unless you had some sort of like 45 record player set up to just loop all night. Yeah, but I mean, also, I can't imagine like every there might be a few stations that would stay up all night. Yeah, but this doesn't seem like it would be that station. Yeah, yeah, I guess small town, too. It's like, who are they playing music for? Yeah. And um, so her producer leaves. At least it says he, he says he leaves, but he comes back later. So that was weird. I. I thought I missed a line of dialogue where he was like, I'm going to go get us a couple of beers or something like that. Yeah, that was, I don't believe there was one. Um, and then she starts, she gets a phone call that's creepy and she starts hearing noises and she starts walking through the radio station and the way it's, the production design is amazing because this whole area is just scary. Yes. You feel tense, you feel like enclosed and it feels dirty and like you don't know what's there. It also feels like, now I didn't spend a ton of time there because I worked for the sports station, which was like the second class citizen of the thing. And honestly, my, and I'm using air quotes here, sports show was very only tangentially about sports, but I had a sports radio show in college. Um, oh, right. And, and <laughs> it was tangentially about sports, but it was just this. It was why this exists because I liked doing it then. 
but we had a station and this station in the movie feels so much like the college radio station that I worked at with just like, it's gross and people like leave shit everywhere. And there's like random stuff hanging on the walls and tchotchkes and nonsense. Uh, It just feels very lived in and real. And this is where we get introduced to, I don't know if they ever actually say his name, but it's Chop Top. Yeah, yeah. Played by Bill Mosley, one of the uh, Rob Zombie crew. Yes. I enjoy Bill Mosley. I've seen him in a couple things. Um, He's creepy as hell. In this movie or in general? Both. (laughs) I mean, I I mean it as a compliment for this movie. I mean, he's super creepy. Because he first shows up and he... He he kind of has this like crazy or beetle like Beetlejuice without the like fun. yeah like if you took all fun and whimsy out of Beetlejuice you'd get this yes yes it's 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 like the darkest timeline Beetlejuice that's a really good really good call yeah and it the more he is on screen and the more he talks the more uncomfortable you feel the tension the tension in this scene is so perfectly built yes. Because the whole time I'm like I don't I I don't know what's going to happen and it keep like the scene keeps going so I'm like this has to break like there's too much weight on this glass it has to shatter so I had a feeling that I knew what the gag was going to be and it still got me oh did you yeah yeah so the, he and and Stretch start having this conversation where he's like oh I love your radio station can you give me a tour and he's like like acting like a super fan, but he's insanely dressed and his skin tone is so gross and it's like totally awful. And he keeps, and he keeps... <laughs> uh, he's got a hanger, like a wire hanger and he's lighting the end of it and sticking it into his hair. And like, you hear a tss, and then he's licking the tip of it or chewing little bits off the tip of it. And it's like, what the hell is this psychopath doing? Yeah, you you just like the, you, there's no rules, and no. it's it feels terrifying because you don't know what's gonna happen. Right. So he kind of like gets her to give him a tour, and she gives him this very fake tour, and then she's like pointing at this exit sign, which becomes Chekhov exit sign, um, where she's like, "There's the door. You gotta leave. G- good night." And then he just keeps saying back to her like, "Good night," and they go back and forth like three times, and each time he's just more like flippant about it, like, "Good night." It's just so unsettling. And at this point, she's like edged into a doorway, which is dark, and it's the record vault where they store all their old records. And then at this part, I'm like, okay, there's a she's gonna get grabbed. She's like, I, I, I've seen a horror movie before. The girl in front of the dark hallway or doorway, not a good thing happened. But then the way they do it is the lights get flipped on and Leatherface comes out like chainsaw fully. Like it's a Halloween haunted house thing. But he comes out roaring with a chainsaw and like cuts part of the roof on his way through. It's I jumped. It got me me too. Good. And I was waiting. Like I was literally going like at any moment someone is popping out of the store. Like a jump scare is coming now. (laughs) So. As I'm watching it, I'm looking and I'm like, she she's not standing in front, like in the doorway, like with darkness behind her. She's off to the side. Yeah. And I was like, I have a feeling she's going to like push him in and like shut the door. Oh, okay. I thought she was going to try and like lock him yeah, in there yeah, and yeah. then turn around and Leatherface was in the room with her. Yeah. Instead, she goes running up the stairs and the door here is the door is, from the movie, the first movie. It's cool. Yeah. And it makes no sense why this door would be in the radio station, but it's just a cool thing. It's a metal sliding door, like, from a slaughterhouse, and she, like, drops the pin in, 
on the on her side to keep him out and he's like trying to cut through the door and there's like all this noise going on meanwhile the poor um <laughs> the poor guy producer, producer shows up with like two cups of soda or beer or whatever and chop top has lost his wig which got all mangled up by leatherface so you can see this metal plate in his head and this really gross tom savini the king of this stuff uh really gross stuff around the plate in his head he if it, if it weren't so gnarly it would almost look like a uh like a gi joe villain yes yes like uh destro i think his name was the guy with the chrome head Mm-hmm, yeah mm-hmm. Um, i don't know if we've ever told the tom savini story on the air before but this is going back many years like 2004 ish i want to say Blobfest was that long ago yeah yeah 2005 somewhere in there okay did we go the year i wrote about it do you remember was i in college or not um it doesn't maybe matter you we're in college yeah anyway it's like 2005 and Blobfest. Uh, is a celebration of the movie The Blob from 1958. It takes place in the town not too far from where we grew up. Our high school is in that movie, or not necessarily our high school, but it's not worth getting into here. But anyway, Tom Savini for years was supposed to be a guest at Blobfest that it would always fall through. And so the year comes and he's finally at Blobfest and we go, and this is like naive trip who's never been to a convention, doesn't know anything. I have like my awesome copy of Dawn of the Dead I was definitely in college because I got that as a gift from the woman I dated in college. So I have this copy of Dawn of the Dead and then this uh, copy of Creepshow. And you and I, like at this point, we've seen a bunch of Tom Savini stuff. We're big old horror dorks. Like we know who this guy is. We're so excited about this. It's like, oh my God, it's Tom Savini. Way past the point where he started being in front of the camera more often. Yeah, yeah. So like we've seen him an actor, but we know about him making all these amazing effects and stuff. And we're big horror dorks. It's just like, this is so cool. Tom Savini is in our little town. So I bring these DVDs and I'm like, oh, he's at this thing. So like, I guess we get an autograph and I walk in and on the table, he's asking for some reasonable amount. I'm sure at the time it was like five or $10, whatever it was. Now autographs at these things are crazy, but at the time that wasn't as like a thing. So anyway, we walk up to the table and I'm holding these things. But at this point, I'm like, I genuinely do not have the money to pay you for this. So I'm not going to ask. But I do want to go say hello to Tom Savini. Because, like, what the hell? We're here. There's nobody yeah. at his table. He's just, like, sitting there. So to paint you the picture, uh, basically, the idea is that it's a room with, like, a few people and some props for movies are out on display. Like, part of the actual blob, like, yes. the goop is on display. But it feels kind of like the attic of a rec center. Yes, it it's is absolutely... Very- casual like it's not like guarded and taped and like defined it's just sort of casual with like folding tables and there are maybe three other people up there other than us honestly almost is like a flea market yeah exactly yes and there's maybe there three are... people that aren't at other tables yeah so there's the guy who was a diver in creature from the black lagoon which we also ended up watching that day who at the time was like in his 90s and he was just at this past blob fest in 2018 he's got to no be close way. to 100 yeah riku browning gotta be pushing 100 um he did all the under or not all of but a, a lot of the underwater stunts in creature from the black lagoon so he's there we say hello to this older gentleman and we like work up the nerve to go talk to tom savini who again is like literally sitting by himself at this table so we walk up to him and he sees we have the dvds and he's like oh did you want me to sign those and i'm like i I don't have money. I I didn't realize that it cost money, which I realized now in hindsight, like I'm sure I didn't babble all this out, but like, I'm like, I'm sorry. I don't have any money, but we just want to say hello. Like we're really big fans of yours. Um, 
you know, we, we love watching your movies and we watch them together and it's like a fun thing that we do. And just, we just want to come over and shake your hand. So we shake hands with him. We talked to him for a minute or two. And then he reaches out to you because you were holding creep show and he reaches out for creep show and he's like, Hey, uh, here. And he takes it from you. And he's like, nobody's going to, who's going to remember in 10 years, whether or not you paid for it. And he signs it. And I just like, it was such like a little tiny, nice thing that he did for us. They obviously didn't have to do. But yeah, I just thought like I, I tell that story every time it's organic that he comes up in conversation because it's just this nice little thing he did for us for no reason other than I guess he just wanted to, which is I, I think says a yeah, lot I about mean, him. I get he's probably bored. At, he probably gets bored of these things. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, I'm sure. And this at the time was like a very small town thing, and and conventions had not become the sort of juggernaut. Like I'm sure Tom Savini's autograph and a picture is like thirty five or forty bucks at a convention these days because it's like if not more. Yeah, I mean he's a major name in horror and and yada yada yada, but. It was just a really nice thing he did for us. And I obviously still have that DVD on the shelf over there. But it was funny. It was like this really cheap. It was the old school DVD cover where it's cardboard and then a plastic clip that clips into it. I forgot it was that kind. (laughs) So it's like a piece of cardboard glued and pushed into a piece of plastic. It's really janky. But obviously I've kept it because it had, you know, Tom Savini's autograph on it. Yeah. Anyway, that's just Tom Savini did the effects in this movie and he's a cool dude. He's a really good. Yeah, he's a great guy. Uh, Has he ever been back to Blobfest? I don't know. I don't think so. I'm sure he's a tough get. Like, I, that, I mean, but also, like, <laughs> why would he come back if he showed up? Like, so I if think that I, is any indication of that year, he'd be like, "Look, no one shows up, so it's. I don't think you need me there." <laughs> I Blobfest has become a lot more popular. Like, I went to Blobfest just a year or two ago, and the showing I went to was mostly full, and it was probably like the eighth or ninth one of the day, um, not the day of the weekend. Um, so maybe, and, and they do get a lot more, there's a lot, like Blobfest is a lot bigger than the, the one we went to was like, it's at the Colonial, the Colonial hadn't done their expansion yet, they they didn't have like a whole big thing. Now they shut down that whole street, all the businesses decorate their windows, there's like people selling goods on the street in like carts and stalls, there's drinks, like it's a bigger deal now than it was then, which oh, is awesome. It's maybe, it, I have to try and check that out. It's a very cool little festival. If you're in the Phoenixville area, I highly recommend checking it out. It's like... It's in the summertime, right? It's uh, It takes place the weekend the Bob takes place. So it's like the second or third weekend in July. Okay. But it's like very 50s monster movie kitsch. People put on like cool costumes and whatnot. It's I think Blobfest is really cool. Anyway, um, she goes behind this door. I don't know. We, we sidetracked really hard there. I'm sorry. So she's behind this door. She barricades herself in. Leatherface is like chainsawing away. Can't get through the door. Meanwhile, this guy, poor producer guy, comes back. And Chop Top attacks him, and he starts hitting him in the head with his hammer. And this scene was like, "This is where I wrote that the this is what I don't like about these kind of movies." Yeah, it's really, really hard to watch, and you don't see really like a hammer hit the guy in the head. It, it happens once, but it he hits. You see the guy like Bill Mosley as Chop Top is like swinging this hammer, and the sound like it's clearly somebody with a watermelon and a hammer just like thunking it into a watermelon which like i know that it's not real but the sound is really gross and you're just like watching this poor guy scream and his body's twitching and stuff and i it took me a while to realize that he wasn't trying to kill him he was just hitting him with a hammer for giggles that and that's what that's the kind of shit that i don't like that like it's something that my boyfriend and i disagree on that he definitely enjoys those kind like that's the kind of his horror that he likes and i 
distinctly do not because that kind of stuff makes my anxiety spike real hard i i like it's the the people like the, there's no motive there's no anything they're just crazy and senseless cruelty thank you that's the phrase <laughs> it's what it is and it's like that i i i also don't care for that it's why i've never watched like a hostile movie it's why i don't really get down with saw and I, if you like those that's fine i'm just talking about what i personally like I just the the senseless cruelty aspect is way too real for me and I like to watch horror movies as an escape which I know sounds weird but watching Jason hack a bunch of stupid teenagers up doesn't feel real to me in the way that like there's less emotional weight there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I like even in the couple of scenes that we hung out with this DJ producer guy, he like has some character and I feel bad that this is happening to him as opposed to like the faceless nameless cardboard cutout teenagers doublement twin yeah that's like hey man want to get some beers and go out in the woods and smoke a doobie hey girly let me see your breasts and then it's like he gets it with a chainsaw and i'm like i don't really care like it doesn't bother me but i'm like oh this guy seemed like he was kind like he, he seemed like a nice person like a good person yeah yeah and i just i'm just like oh god this is so real and awful i always say that uh i like what i call popcorn horror movies where, like, I still feel comfortable having some popcorn while I watch this movie. Sure. As opposed to, like, the saws, the, you know, Last House on the Lefts, where I'm like, I don't want to look at food. Yeah. Like, I don't want there anything near me that resembles food while this movie is on. Exactly. I will vomit. If I can't eat while I watch this movie, then I don't want to, I probably don't want to watch this movie. Right, right. Um, that's a funny criteria, but I like it. So, uh, Leatherface is chainsawing this bathtub <laughs> like he comes in through the wall he uh, actually the, the back up a second there the whole time he's chainsawing this door i'm like why don't you just cut a hole in the, the wall like literally right next to it you have a chainsaw and then like mm-hmm. a minute or two goes by of this awful scene with the producer guy and then he comes bursting through the wall and i was like yes that's what you should have done from the beginning this is what i expected and so sh- it's all so the room she's in is almost a fridge yes i thought it was a refrigerator for a minute because there's but there's also like a tub of ice with beers in it. Yes. And there's some other cold like like cases of beer, but there's not like it's not I don't, it's it's hard to see exactly figure out exactly what it is, but it feels very much like a walk-in. Earlier you heard really loud music like a live band, so it made me think, "Oh, like the radio station is connected to a bar maybe." But then oh. there's no like at the point at which a madman is chainsawing his way through a wall and like screaming is happening. Like you think people would come investigate and that doesn't happen. So I don't really understand what we're supposed to think, but inexplicably in the back room of this radio station is a clawfoot bathtub full to the brim with ice with just like a dozen sodas and beers stuck in it. Yeah. Um, and this is one of the many sequences of this poor actress just screaming for seemingly no reason. And forever. It's so long because he swings the chainsaw and sticks it in the ice. And so she's sitting on the rim of the tub and he's, you know, the chainsaw is not really close to her. He's not making moves towards her with the chainsaw. He's just ravving it into the ice and she keeps screaming. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. And she, so this is the point where she kind of like seduces him. So I think it starts with Leatherface first where he's like kind of into her and he's like he stops for a second and she kind of like makes eyes with him like makes eye contact with him and realizes that he's like into her and is trying to play this to her advantage and then Leatherface in a scene that is like real strange is 
definitely using the chainsaw like it's an extension of his body. The part you can pick, because it, it could be any, really, realistically. And he's, like, rubbing her leg with it. And then, like, rubbing... She's got on, like, little denim short shorts. He's, like, rubbing her in her thigh. And she's, like oh, you're not so bad, are you? And, like, I totally get it. And from her POV, it's like, oh, God, I'm going to die, I'm going to die, I'm going to die, anything, try anything. Get me out of yes, here. Yes, just start smashing buttons to try things. Yeah, and, like, I, I totally get that. It's just, it's a very bizarre sequence. Yes. And this is where we get into one of the confusing, it feels like the movie is trying to say he's helping her. I mean, he definitely lets her go. He, oh, straight up, but the the way it builds up to it is unclear. And this is, and I th- I feel like the chainsaw sequence that we just saw where he's rubbing it against her legs, again, with different editing and music, could have been almost comical. Like, if they had played, like, sexy sax under it. Yeah. And she, like, played along kind of, like, on a Pharisee, I think. <laughs> like, scary movie or whatever. Yeah, like, I, I think of the first scary movie maybe the second one as being like genuinely funny movies. Yeah. And I feel like if it had been like, she had like tried to seduce him. And then there's that, like the careless whisper sax as he's like rubbing a chainsaw up her leg. Like <laughs> that's funny to me. Yeah. I-, I feel like the problem is that's too spoofy and they're trying to be funny, not spoofy. And that's where the problem lies. I guess. Yeah. So he, lets her go and runs back to the room and they it implies that he killed her and they take the producer and get the hell out of Dodge and she follows them for some reason. Unbelievable and totally inexplicable. Like, I'm sorry, but what are we doing here? No, you know what I do? I just drive out of town. I, I literally... Mirror <laughs> yep. Till I run out of gas. I, I get on a highway the opposite direction that they go and I drive until the uh, until I see a gas station at which point I fill the car and continue driving until I hit the coast. I drive all the mm-hmm. way to the coast and I stop on the beach and then I buy a gun. <laughs> yeah. I see. I'm, I'm going north. I'm going to try and hit Canada. <laughs> um, so yeah, she follows them and then... They also play the psycho music here as she's following them, which I thought was interesting. Oh, they do. They definitely play the sequence from uh, Psycho when Janet Lee is like in the car. Yeah. Well, when she's driving in the car, the like very iconic psycho, you know, yeah. yeah. It's it's not exactly it, but it's like (laughs) they drop like the fourth note for copyright reasons. Although I will say the score of this movie is pretty good and also done by Toby Hooper. Yeah, I like him. Um, so she gets, so they go to an abandoned carnival grounds, which again is a great setting for a scary movie. Yes. And there's a car behind her. And like, as an audience member, you can clearly see the car is being driven by Dennis Hopper. I bet you couldn't before though. Oh, you think? When you watch this on a VHS tape, I don't think you could see it was Dennis Hopper. I think this is like a, because you're watching it in high definition, you can make out the cowboy hat. Yeah. So he... So he comes up behind her as she's walking, and rather than, like, get out of the car and be like, hey, lefty, sorry that everything went to shit, he just, like, chases her down in his car. Yeah, and he eventually is like, hey, it's me, Stretch, it's lefty. And it's like, why don't you just do that the second you saw her? Be like, Stretch, Stretch, come here. You know, like, totally insane. It's You're doing a real dumb thing of, like, trying to make me think you're a bad guy. And so she, like, stands on this platform that collapses under her 
and he hands her what he thinks is a stick, but it's actually a human arm. So that when she tries to take it, it like shatters and she falls deeper into the pit. And this is the point where this movie becomes 1000% the thing that Dan Aykroyd ripped off to make nothing but trouble, which we've talked about on this show before. But this is so very clearly 100% nothing but trouble. Like he just lifted all of this for nothing but trouble, except he made his grosser and his was a comedy. I don't know that I know that movie. The one with Chevy Chase and I can't remember who the woman is. Oh, uh, 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 to me more. Nothing but trouble. It's 90s. Yeah, it's Dan Aykroyd plays like three or four roles and they're all disgusting. And he plays like a judge and he sentences Chevy Chase to hard labor. John Candy's in it and drag. How have I never seen this movie? Demi Moore is the, the the woman in it. I'm pulling up a picture right now of Dan Aykroyd's disgusting character. And if that Ugh. if that doesn't ring a bell for you, then you've never seen this movie because it's like iconically disgusting. I mean, it looks vaguely familiar. Dad watched it once when I was a kid and it scared the ever-loving shit out of me. Like really genuinely horrified me. And I think it's because uh, it's super duper disgusting, but it's like the grossest possible version this is the other role that Dan Aykroyd plays, a like deformed man baby monster. No, I have not seen this movie. But he like 1000% is just doing this a grosser mo- version of Texas Chainsaw 2. Huh. Okay. This is also where the lefty uh, Dennis Hopper is like, "Hey, I totally used you. I knew they would show up at the radio station and come after you, but I didn't tell you." What? Yeah, I don't like that part at all. It's just, I don't. What are we supposed to think about his character? I I really don't. I really don't know. And also, he's like ready to rumble and fight these guys, but we don't really know that yet as an audience member. So she like falls down this pit, and he's like, "Don't worry, I'm coming after you." And he runs back to the car, and he loads up a chainsaw in each hip, and then a huge chainsaw in his hands. And he is like, he pep talks himself like uh, Annette Benning in the mirror. He's like, "I will sell this house today." Yeah. And then turns and runs screaming to the fence, to the door, stops screaming, stops running, opens it, yep. and then continues running and screaming. Yeah. And I was like, these feel like the jokes that could be jokes. Yes. Yeah. In a different, in a, in a, it was just like a little bit of twist. This is very funny. A lot of screaming in this movie. Yes. Too much. Actually, it's funny. At the sequence where she was trapped in the room and Leatherface is like trying to get her and then he does the bathtub thing. It's like a good minute long of like chainsaw noises and screaming. And I'm watching this movie last night and it's like maybe 1130. And I'm like, oh, my my neighbors probably think I am a psycho. Let me find that remote. Down, 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 down. <laughs> uh, also, the actress who played Stretch also played a character named Stretch in Sharknado 4, so perhaps Connected Universe. That one is not. So I looked this up, too. I did the research. I think that this interview with her predates the Sharknado thing, but go for it. You tell it. Um, so she said that Stretch shows up two other times, once in a, in a Texas Chainsaw as a reporter with a different name. And it's the same actress, but a different character. I don't I think. think she. I think she doesn't have any name in the Texas Chainsaw Three. Yeah, but she shows up as a reporter, and they're like the can head cannon is that. Oh, she changed her name and is still a reporter. Yeah, and then she shows up in Hatchet Three, I think, or something. Yes, one of the Hatchet Hatchet movies, Three, and is 
still play the idea is that she's it's still stretch but like unofficially right and then she plays someone named stretch in sharknado 4 but she doesn't consider that part of the stretch canon yeah <laughs> the stretchverse yeah i will say as far as uh horror leading ladies go i like stretch a lot as a character she gets a fair amount to do i give a crap about her i would watch stretch in a different movie i think i wish she i wish i wish she was in a more sensical movie because I'm like, you're being stupid, but I think it's trying to be funny as opposed to just like being silly, stupid, funny and being a smart final girl. Right. So she falls down this little thing. Dennis Hopper goes in with his three chainsaws. He finds a wall that's bleeding. He pokes at it. It's all full of intestines and whatnot that just come like bursting out of the wall. Sure. I guess that's what they do with them. And he decides that he's going to chainsaw all the support beams. This, see, this is the Dennis Hopper that I wanted to be in this movie. He starts screaming, I'm bringing it all down, and then chainsawing the support beams of this room, just like one after another, just like t- knocking down parts of this building. You know, I-, I like that Dennis Hopper. I just don't understand it in this movie. No, it doesn't make any sense. This is, I wrote very confused. That was my note. I wrote that a few times. Yes. And Stretch finds herself in a room full of dead bodies where... They cut people up for the meat. Yeah. And this is by far the grossest scene of the movie. It is. And this is another one where the internet tells me that this is Leatherface trying to save her. But I do not see it that way. It's certainly harder to feel that way based on what happens in this sequence. So Leatherface and uh, Chop Top and I can't remember the other cat's name, but the guy from the first Texas Chainsaw. Drayton. Drayton. I knew it was a D. So the, Drayton is like, all right, chop up the meat and, and get to it. And so people have read this as Leatherface being like fed up with being the errand boy, errand boy, servant girl for the family and like having to do all the labor, which is like kind of. A- I now only want to see a version of Cinderella with Leatherface. And that that is what people like. There are I read more than one review where people basically were like, "This is the Cinderella Leatherface," and I'm like, "All right, I guess," but I feel like you're doing some stretching there. But I, now I Pardon just want to see where he's like scattering bird seed <laughs> to the chickens. He's got the like laundry on his head as he's like soaping bubbles, and that's what now I want to see that he's got like it cuts to the 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 uh, the line of laundry, and it's just his various leather faces hanging up. <laughs> Various, like, just full body skin. Yeah. Um, see, that's funny. That would be a funny version of this. If, like, Leatherface is, like... Cinder leather, cinder leather. If he's, like, arms deep in a wash bucket and, like, like literally hanging a suit of skin up on a drying line. I'm so here for like, that it's, it's gross. I realize it's gross. But there's a funny way to do that. And I think it could be possible. But, again, that's, like, spoof territory is the problem. But I'm okay to me. I am too. I'm just saying I don't think they wanted to make a spoof movie. I don't think like that would be unprecedented. I think to hire the guy who made this classic movie to then direct the spoof version of it. I bet that person would do a good job theoretically. Yeah, I think you would. I think you do a great job. Um, To me, I feel like the only horror comedy that isn't a spoof that I can think of that does it super well was is Shaun of the Dead, which is still kind of a spoof. Yeah, but it's not it. To me, spoof has the ultra heightened aspect. Yeah, no, you're not wrong. I'm just saying, Sean is close. Sean cuts it close, but I think it's still fall. I would call it more horror comedy than spoof. Have you seen Tucker and Dale? Oh, I have seen Tucker and Dale. 
that's that I feel like that lends itself more to spoof. Yeah, that one has the sort of height of spoofness in it, although it's not a spoof movie. Also a very good one. Yeah. Um anyway, this scene's really disgusting, so let's just like power our way through it. They I just want to be talk about cinder leather. Yeah, I know. Well, so it's cinder leather, and it's also of mice and men with leather face. Of mice and leather. Of of mice and, and leathy. Like he he is definitely leathy instead of Lenny because okay. he's like I'm here for it. This you know real dumb oaf who like you know breaks the thing that he loves. So he starts hacking up this guy and it's na- it's gnarly i mean it's a, it's a it's a tom savini effect it's disgusting he like starts he takes the electric turkey carver yeah and he's like hacking this guy up she see she makes enough noise that he sees her and this is why i think people talk about him as he like protects her because he in the first movie leatherface impales this girl on a meat hook yes this leatherface is like oh my god this woman and he like tries to make her like him, like not make her like him as in make her fond of him, but make her similar to him. He puts this guy's face over her face and then this guy's cowboy hat. And then he starts dancing with her while they're both wearing leather face masks, basically. And like, at first I thought he was like, Oh, if I put this leather skin face on this human face on your face, no one will like, and you just pretend to be dead. They will ignore you. Yes. And then he picks her up and starts dancing with her and then ties her up and leaves. And I was like, well, now I'm confused because this doesn't feel like he's helping her anymore. Right. It's like he has a pet now and he wants to keep it for himself. Yes. So the dude wakes up with like genuinely enormous pieces of his body missing, like huge. And his face. Yes. And he's like, <gasps> stretch. And it's very, very gross. <laughs> it's very, very, very gross. And then it goes right into to silly territory because he's like, darling, this hurts. Yeah. It's like, well, you got hit in the head with a hammer about 12 times and then he he face off to you. And, but didn't put one back. I want to take his face off. <laughs> um, So he like unties her and then he falls down dead. And I was, it's just it's it's weird, uncomfortable, but like clearly supposed to be funny yes but then immediately she has this emotional moment with his dead body where she like puts him back together and then she says i love you and i don't think it's like a romantic thing i think it's just that like i cared about you and i never said it kind of thing but it's yeah the the shift in tone is like she's tied up and so she turns around so he can cut her loose and he's holding a kitchen knife and just like stabbing at the air because he's very clearly almost dead and like, I thought he was going to end up stabbing her, which would be, like, kind of a black comedy thing. Yeah. But instead, he cuts her free and then immediately collapses. And then we get this, like, hard turn into emotional territory, like, of real gremlins. My dad died in the chimney on Christmas part. And it's like, well, wait a second. Like, I was giggling, I guess. And now I'm sad again. Like, <laughs> I, w- I was I was kind of with you. And now you lost me again. Messy and incoherent. So the three Leatherface boys have a big fight as she like scampers around what is admittedly a very cool set. Like is just I love this set. Yeah. And it is again just straight up what Dan Aykroyd rips off for nothing but trouble. So if you want to see more sets like this, you should watch that terrible movie. Um Hopper is like walking through and then he finds a body in a wheelchair and is like, Franklin, but this is the part where I like feel very, very confused because 
So Franklin is a character from the first movie who was in a wheelchair, which I did not put together while watching this, but I did later read it and was like, oh yeah, I forgot about that. But the 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 leather faces, I'm picturing them with like a welcome mat, like the leather faces, um, <laughs> have been moving around. So are they just like carting all these bones and bodies around? Like what are they driving around in that they have like a, at this point they'd have a freight truck full of of bodies. No, I don't think they're moving around. But no, I explicitly think... they are. This is not the Leatherface house. from. This is not the house from the first movie at all. No, but I think this is their home base now. Right, but did they, they moved Franklin's corpse in his wheelchair to wherever they are now? I mean, that feels very Sawyer family. Because they have, like, like weird stuff made out of bones and things as, as furniture and whatnot, but, which I could see them moving, but this is just like a random body that they moved. I don't know. It just seemed odd to me. So anyway, he finds Franklin and is like, I'm going to avenge you. Um, Leatherface pops out at Stretch and chases her all through these caves as uh, Hopper starts uh, just swinging a chainsaw all over the place. Yeah, so uh, Stretch tries to escape, but like has to go in between two tunnels. And so they see her clearly. Yeah. And they're like, well, go after her. So he starts chasing her, but then... They catch her and they so she's running towards Dennis Hopper, who's like running down this tunnel and she's screaming bloody murder. And I know Dennis Hopper has a chainsaw running, which is obviously a loud thing. And they're in a cave, which exacerbates that. But she's screaming and Leatherface is chasing her with a chainsaw. And Dennis Hopper seems completely unaware of what's going on, that like there's a person he could be helping. And he just starts chainsawing this this tunnel and causes it to collapse. Yeah, it feels very much like Stan Lee's headphones cameo. Yes, exactly. So it collapses and they capture her. Well, they have a long, awkward standoff where they're like, ooh, Leatherface has a girlfriend. Which, like, again, is almost the tone of funny, but is uncomfortable because I'm just, a, I'm afraid for this girl. I don't want her to die. Yeah, you, the, the reward, you haven't earned your reward. Yeah. Of the joke. Yeah. And they're like, it's sex or the saw, kid. Sex isn't worth it. I've been alone all my life. You you worship the saw. Worship the saw. It's so weird. So she gets knocked out by a chop top, wakes up tied to a table, a la the first movie. And now we're doing the exact same scene from the first movie where it's like, Grandpa's gonna do the death blow. Grandpa. Except now Grandpa's 137 instead of 120 or whatever he was in the first movie. And so... A very cool makeup effect by Tom Savini on this actor. It's impeccable. Yeah. This 137-year-old man is going to... He was famed for being someone who could kill a cow in one fell swoop at the slaughterhouse. And then they went to a mechanized system and he got shuttered out of it. And, and that was the end of it for him. Um, so he comes to the table and they literally tell this a whole long story. Again, just lifted from the first movie about like grandpa and the slaughterhouse and the whole like, how did we get to this place as the Sawyer family goes on, I think, way too long. And then they're like, all right, bring the girl up. And Leatherface tries to kiss her, which is crazy. Yeah, it's because I I feel like I thought Leatherface had more of the like, you know, wants to be like there's elements of. Leatherface that like want to be a woman like I thought that was more explored in these movies. Um, like isn't there one movie one of these? I mean, he's wearing lipstick. He's wearing one with lipstick on it in this scene. Like he has a a more made up face that he's wearing, but I never got the impression that the idea was that he wanted to be a woman necessarily. Although 
I, it could be that. It could be that I just missed that subtext. I don't. I mean, either way, it's terror. It's not. It's not re- representation. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I was. Yeah, I was gonna say it's like it's not like we're doing like a oh, this is something that could be meaningful to someone who's a, a member of the transgender community. Like it's pretty. It's pretty opposite of what anybody would want to be representative of them. I think. Yeah, it's. But I for some reason I thought that was part of it. it like I said, it could be. It's not overtly in the first one and obviously it's not in this one the only other one i've seen is the remake that came out in like the early 2000s the first one uh which i have a amusing story that i'm going to tell in a bit here as we as we get to the end because that's the only time i'll ever get to tell in this podcast and it's worth telling deal uh, yeah so that it was weird i so i was confused by leatherface a lot um because well ed because i'm again ed gein who is leatherface's bassist right there's a lot of speculation that he was gay, if not confirmed stuff, I thought. I don't know enough about it to say one way or the other. Yeah, because uh, I, I, I had I had done re- I researched him a little bit just because I, I found him in- fascinating in the way people are fascinated by serial killers. Um, and he, yeah, I thought there was, infl- like, people thought that he probably was Is gay. Is he the one that was caught when an... Uh... No, that's a different thing I was thinking. You're thinking of Dahmer. Well, there was a there one of them one of the very famous serial killers has definitely was either actually like known to be gay or was assumed to be gay, like you're saying. I just don't remember which one it is. Anyway, yes, it could be that. Yeah. Um this, he also does a lot of shimmying. Yes, so Okay, thank you for bringing this up because I didn't take a note on it and I thought this the whole time. He's basically doing Fortnite dances this whole movie. Like there is absolutely going to be the Leatherface Fortnite dance within a month or two cuz he's doing like this like chainsaw shimmy thing that is absolutely a Fortnite dance. And it's funny cuz it's something that What's up they fellow kids? Fun of. Would you like a Fortnite? I was say, Fortnite jokes? Um if they're going to drop it into the end of a uh, dawn dead by dawn yeah or is that the yeah um because that was a joke in like scary movie four or something like that like one of the later bad ones where it wasn't even leatherface it was like samara from the ring picks up a chainsaw and does the like shimmy yeah, so much yeah, that yeah. she she hits herself in the head with a with a support beam. yes and that's all i could think about i was like he keeps doing it's this. different though in the first movie leatherface does this crazy whirling chainsaw dance very similar to what Stretch does later in this movie. But the yeah. the version of it in this movie is a Fortnite dance. It's like this shimmy, shimmy shake. Like it's, it's just a shimmy. Yeah. It's a sexy it's a sexy little chainsaw shimmy. Yeah. Anyway, the scene with Grandpa trying to hit uh, Stretch in the head with a hammer goes on for genuinely like two minutes. And it's like the whole time it's like this is taking forever so that she can be rescued. Like, just get to the rescue. Please stop making me watch this. Like, he's dropping the hammer, and then he's hitting her too light, and then he's dropping the hammer. And I'm just like, this is genuinely torturing me as an audience member. And they keep, like, cl- like zooming in on his hands trying to pick up the hammer and his eyes, like, glazing over. Yeah. And I was like, oh, is he just going to die? That's what I thought, too. It's going to lead to him, like, rearing the hammer back and dying, and then it's going to be like, you killed Grandpa. Yeah, or like goes like put, picks the hammer up and then it slips and hits himself in the head. Yes. So Stretch finally gets KO'd, and then by God, that's Dennis Hopper's music. He comes roaring in with a chainsaw, and it's it should be a moment where the family is like you, and he's like you, but instead it's like who are you? Yes, no, they have no idea who that is to the point where uh, 
D Drayton. Drayton. Jesus. Drayton is like, I got money. Let me pay you off. <laughs> and he like pulls out a wad of cash. And instead he gets chainsawed in the dick. Yeah. Yeah. And then he and Leatherface have like a chainsaw duel, which I have to say I thought was going to be very stupid and was instead pretty entertaining. I enjoyed it. It reminds me of like the idea of like a broadsword duel where it's yes. just like these are two very heavy, hard to control things yes. that like you could easily hurt yourself. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, pr- not to mention you have two more chainsaws inexplicably strapped on your hips. I mean, I'm into that. It feels very Ashwell. Yeah. yeah. Um. So Chop Top is chasing Stretch and they're fighting like there's like this rope bridge that has a cool sequence. And uh, I don't know how much of his own stunts Bill Mosley was doing, but either he or the stunt performer here is doing some really impressive stuff with like jumping up and pulling himself up with just his arms and like chasing her down. And they're like, you know, wiggling all over this cave, basically. Um, the- yeah. So we have like two simultaneous action sequences going on that we're cutting between. So we have the duel of the chainsaws on the table, and then we've got Stretch and Chop Top like running after one another. Running, she's running away from Chop Top. And it's compounded with Drayton under the table, like monologuing to himself about the state of small business in America. See, that I found very funny. Like him being like, it's. I thought it could be. Yeah. I didn't think it. The idea is funny. I don't think it was executed well enough. The, like the sequence in which he's blaming all of this on the tax man and how the small businessman always gets screwed in the end, I thought was funny. Yeah. And then like literally above him, you can see through the cracks of the table, like the feet moving and it's Dennis Hopper and Leatherface hitting each other with chainsaws. And he's just under there decrying the state of small businessman. Yeah, I think that's a funny idea. I just don't think it was done well. Okay, that's fine. Um, and then this is where another moment that I was like, this should have been hilarious was she gets thrown to the ground and then looks up and sees a blinking red exit sign. Yes. That has no place in this building. None whatsoever. And why would they have it? Like, it would be crazy for them to have this. Yeah. And I was like, that should have been hilarious. Yeah. Um, she also has a real cool moment here where she like knocks down chop top and there's a lamp and she breaks the lamp and jabs the exposed bulb electric parts into his metal plate in his head, which is really dope. Yeah, it was awesome. And then, uh, Drayton sets off a a grenade. Well, first there's a really great effect where Leatherface gets stabbed in the gut with a chainsaw. I don't want to leave that out. It's very cool. And then as that happens, Dennis Hopper like pulls up the other two and is now dual wielding chainsaws with Leatherface having. I'm here for. Yeah, yeah. That and then Grandpa gets up and has this hammer and he throws it and it misses Hopper, hits Leatherface, who falls to his knees and stabs Drayton with a chainsaw, which means Drayton lets go of this grenade that he's found and then they all presumably get exploded. Yeah. And so then it's stretched climbing up this ladder, ladder staircase through a tunnel and Chop Top's chasing her with a knife. It's a scalpel. It's like he's just like really cutting the shit out of her with this little knife, like the little shallow, mm-hmm. awful cuts. Yeah. And then she makes it to the top of this rock structure as he's dangling over the edge and sees mama, grandma, 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 mummified and like perfectly preserved with a chainsaw on her lap. So she eventually grabs it from her, which it takes too long. Yeah. Well, it's like stuck to her. And then uh, stretch is like trying to get this chainsaw to start, which of course takes forever. And Chop Top is like talking to grandma. And at one point her head moved. And I was like, no, I'm sorry, movie. You cannot have this person. This supposed to be alive. I'm sorry. I would know this is too much. But then I realized it was just, he was like holding this, this corpse thing in his hands. Yeah. 
and he's slashing at her back and shoulders as she keeps trying to rev this chainsaw. So she finally gets it started and she attacks him and then he falls, does this like big tumble. It's an amazing stunt fall. Yeah, so the wall breaks away. He rolls down the side of the building and then into a tube like down into the the pit where they were previously. And Stretch, now covered in blood, does the whirling chainsaw dance from the end of the first movie while screaming. And I was rather underwhelmed by this movie. I don't think I was as underwhelmed as you, but I was disappointed because I feel like, like I said, it's almost awesome. Like, I, li- I liked it well enough. I-, I think it's a very interesting thing that the sequel to this, like, pretty gritty horror movie that scared a lot of people out of their minds has a sequel that's this insane. Like, it doesn't make any sense that this is the sequel to Texas Chainsaw yeah. Massacre. The fact that this is released as Texas Chainsaw Massacre is kind of buck wild. I agree. But also that the direct that Toby Hooper was like, no one got the dark comedy in the first movie. Yeah, I... I I'm like, buddy. <laughs> I've seen that movie. Where is it? I don't like, see any of it. We should have, we should have as a collective been like, okay, here's the raw footage. Yeah. You edit it then. Yeah. I want it like, where do you think it Show is? Show me on the tape where you think it's funny. Like, go ahead. Yeah. Let's let's John Madden yellow circle. Yeah, this. exactly. Can you can you get on the telestrator and, and walk me through the comedy? So, um, what are your uh, final thoughts? I think the other this is the only Texas Chainsaw Massacre we'll ever get to do. So what are your what are your final thoughts? Is it the sequel is nineteen ninety? Oh, you're right. Um, it's it's not bad. It's just not as good as it could have been. Yeah, I I liked it a little more than you. I think I think I would recommend it. It's it's kind of one of those it's a soft recommend for me. I, I think it's one of those situations where you're like you kind of have to see this to believe it. Like it is crazy enough that i think if you're into horror at all that you're gonna be kind of like wait what and in a, in a good way um so i i would recommend it i would just like a flat recommend and we are gonna play canon or canon with this i was gonna say but um i want to tell my texas chainsaw master story because it's the only time i ever will get to tell this story with any real relevance on the podcast so this the remake comes out i've never seen any of them and i honestly like really got into horror when I was in college. I think it was around there, like late high school, college. I'm still a pretty big scaredy cat. Like jump scares get me real bad. Like I, 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 I do not enjoy like a haunted house. Like I do them, but like the, 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 the setup of a haunted house is just like, it's, I don't like being startled. Right. Like I don't, it's a different thing than being scared. Like, and so a movie that is mostly jump scares is going to make me, jump and then I'll be mad <laughs> at myself and the movie. So we go to see Texas Chainsaw Massacre and I didn't realize at the time, so I'd never seen the original, but it's like very much almost a shot for shot remake of the original one. So it's like the kids in the car, a car breaks down, they get trapped in this house with Leatherface, and he's doing all these horrible things to them. That's not the one where it turns out he's the girl's brother, right? Uh, it could be. I don't remember. Right, like the, the ending is like, he's there to protect you. It very well could be. I don't remember. Uh, Ah. There's like three of them that have come out in the modern era. Uh, that is definitely the plot of one of them. But anyway, the end of this 2004-ish Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the girl gets out of the house and she's running away and she ends up in the slaughterhouse and Leatherface is chasing her. So they're like, she's cr- scrambling all over this this uh, slaughterhouse. And as I'm watching this movie in the theater with my friends, I've like slowly drawn myself up onto my theater seat. Like I'm holding onto my knees and like they're up, my feet are on the seat in front of me. Like I've, I've physically shrunk in my space because I've, I'm frightened. 
And like they keep doing jump scares and it keeps making me like Ugh, uh. so like I'm at this point like squish it into a, like the smallest version of myself that I can be. And the lead of this movie sticks her head out where a cow is supposed to stick its head out in order to be processed in a slaughterhouse. And at this moment, Leatherface like comes jumping down from the ceiling. And I, of course, am so startled. So I kick my feet straight out in front of me and I kick the back of the seat in front of me as if I was... A pro wrestler coming off the top rope to win the championship drop kick. And I just boof the back of this person's seat. Like, as hard as you could possibly. Oh, there's a person yes. in the chair? Yes. Yes. As hard as you could possibly kick someone's seat, I just bang. And it's like my like the perfect angle to really kick hard. Like it's like a full on mule, like kind of thing where it's like my legs are drawn up close to me and it's like a bang, you know, like, like a piston out from me as hard as you could kick. (laughs) And I like, I just rock this person's chair and like, I, I kick it square on and they get like a whiplashy thing going. And I like, I immediately like drop to a knee behind this person. And mind you, this is me like, peak physical condition like squats 400 pounds plays football is in great athletic shape like long <laughs> ago chair and yeah half. exactly and i like i dropped to knee and i'm like i am so so sorry that was completely an accident are you okay and this person very clearly was not at the minimum you probably shit themselves because i it's like you know how like you'll pinch like when immersive yeah yeah but like you know how sometimes when you know a jump scare is coming you like pinch somebody right to like you can you can screw with somebody <laughs> yeah imagine that except i kicked the back of their head so i'm like i am so so sorry and this person is like turned around looked at me and like kind of waved me off and my friends were like what the hell and i was like it wasn't on purpose like i was scared Involuntary. Yeah, I was frightened. I'm sorry that I got frightened. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, that's the worst thing I've ever done to another human being in a theater. I like that. I guess that's why I get situations like in Halloween when I have some guy who won't shut the hell up because I once kicked a person when I was afraid. I guess this is the universe's <laughs> way of like, see, you ruined that person's day. <laughs> so yeah, I would recommend this. Um, but it is a totally weird thing and totally unlike any other uh, horror movie I've ever seen. Or horror comedy. Um, I do want to, before we wrap up, do one quick update. So I was, uh, and this is sounding like a little bit of a dig at Neil Patrick Harris, but I don't, I don't mean it to be. Uh, But I was in the dollar store and I was walking by the book section, and unfortunately, there's a copy of Neil Patrick Harris's book, which is formatted like a choose your own adventure. And yeah, I knew that. um, So I've flip through this book and I happen to open a page that starts with it's 1988 and you're in the director's trailer on the set of a film based on the old novelty song, purple people eater starring you, Ned Beatty, little Richard and a profoundly unhappy Shelly winters who spends most of her days moaning about back pain and droning. Where's my pillow? Where's my pillow? <gasps> so he talks about this movie. He says, Oh dear Lord, it is a horrible movie. Just yeah. And it requires you to work with two of the more unpleasant people you will ever encounter in show business. One is co-star Dustin Diamond playing the role of Big Z who goes out of, oh, I forgot about that. Goes out of his way to offend pretty much every person he comes across. Um and then he says like later he publishes this autobiography who like uh his 
says that Neil Patrick Harris had a love affair with his friend Ed Alonzo, who was both straight and married, and that he had not even met at the time of this movie, so he just like says he's telling all these tales of school. He says, the second less than pleasant person is the one you've been summoned to talk to in the director's trailer, Linda Shane, the writer-director-auteur of this visionary sci-fi classic. And she has called you in during this final week of the four-week shoot explicitly to tell you that, based on the handful of times she has observed your attention slightly wandering over the course of the last month, you are an awful actor to work with, and your bad behavior, inability to focus, and overall lack of talent will most likely doom this movie to failure. She is wrong, and also you are 15 years old. You run out sobbing, thinking what an awful thing. He's using the second person here because of the, yeah. the, the trope of the book is that it's a choose your own adventure. So he, this is he, imagine this is I statements. But anyway, you run out sobbing, thinking what an awful thing that is to say to a child you're directing in a movie with only four days left of shooting, particularly when that movie is called Purple People Eater. She may be having a bad day. She may be under stress from the transition of going from actress, Bootsy Goodhead in 1983's Screwballs, a bank teller in Bad Mama 2, to director. But as the years go by, the memory of her outburst will grow in your mind as a textbook example of how not to treat other people of any age, much less children. And so you return to your own trailer where the tears dry, then crust into rage, and you begin fantasizing about the day far, far in the future when you will exact karmic literary revenge against Linda Shane. It appears that day has come. I love that. Yeah. But I had no idea Linda Shane was such a jerk. Yeah, him. it's crazy. Uh, well, again, there's like no information. Literally in Neil Patrick Harris's book, I read you the entirety of the bit on Purple People Leader. As far as we can tell, is the only information ever released about the creation of that movie. But yeah, what a... Well, what a Dustin. What's that? Unless Dustin was something. Yeah, perhaps he put a whole bunch in his book about jumping on trampolines. But anyway, apparently the director of Purple People Leader, huge asshole. That sucks. Yeah. So anyway, I just wanted to share that because I, I, I happened. Because was this pre-Doogie Hauser? Um, I want to say Doogie Hauser is like, right, I thought he was about that age when he did Doogie. Me too. Doogie Hauser was 89 to 93. So just before Doogie Hauser. I would have sent her a muffin back <laughs> Love Doogie, yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, no, or or no, a bouquet of purple flowers. <laughs> Eat this. <laughs> that's the level of petty I yeah. am. Yeah. Well, anyway, I just I thought I would share that. So that's the two tangentially related things. Um, thank you all so much for listening to the show. As we said at the top, if you'd like to find more of us, we're on Facebook, we're on Twitter. Uh, you can also find everything you ever wanted to know at dissectingtheeighties.com. I do want to take a quick second. Uh, to let you all know that we have now hit the $50 a month level on Patreon, which is something that's really exciting. Uh, helps support the show. We've just, uh, up, just recently we upgraded to better hosting for the show. And we've also made some uh, homemade recording booth boxes that we're hoping is going to improve some of the audio quality. So I'll post a picture of those uh, once we have them up. Um, but at the $50 a month level, we were promising you all a bonus episode, which we have released there. So now if you sign up for Patreon at the $5 level, you get three bonus episodes of Dissecting the 80s right off the bat. Um, once we get $80 a month, we're going to do a bonus commentary track, and that's for uh, all Patreon supporters. Uh, the, the bonus episode at 50 is for all Patreon supporters, so two, $2 level, whatever you, you sign up at, you get that one no, right as soon as you sign up. Um but if we get to eighty, we will have a commentary track. I'm gonna put a little bit of a little bit of, a little sweetener on here and say that if we get to eighty before the end of February, that we will uh do that commentary track as a power hour. 
which I don't think I got Andrew's approval on before saying this on recorded medium. And so what what I know of Power Hour is someone put it's a YouTube video that's an hour long and then the song. So what we will do is we will do a shot of beer every minute for the first hour of a movie and then be pretty drunk for the rest of the commentary. Okay. So it's like you do you drink about six beers in an hour while watching a movie and then so we'll just every minute do it. So we'll pick an appropriate movie to be drunk to and we will we will do it drunk. If that entices you, if that sounds interesting to you, I think it'll be funny. I think it'll be entertaining. We've never done that before. Um we'll also give a, I guess we give you an option as a, as audience vote if you're like no, please don't do that stupid thing. We'll just give you a regular commentary track. That's fine. But if we Looking at you, when Mom. we hit 80, we will we will do a commentary track. So and you get to vote on that no matter if you're a Patreon supporter. So uh, we're really close to that, and if we hit it by February, we're gonna we'll, we'll do it even sillier. So I just want to put that out there. I know we plug the Patreon a lot, and I'm sorry if that bothers you, but it really does help the show become a thing, and is really wonderful to be supported that way. So thank you for all of our Patreon supporters. Thank you so much for listening. We are about to start February, our longest running holiday on the show, I believe. Our favorite, yes, uh, and we are doing a superhero month we will start february with superman 4 the quest for feast peace not feast that would be an interesting superman which i believe also is a canon movie so before we finish this i forgot to do it we need to play canon or canon with texas chainsaw massacre so mr Leto, you are on the clock texas chainsaw massacre 2 canon or canon canon and i will say canon I think we both it sounds like we're both, both we're, I guess we really like Canon films is what we're trying to say. I don't think Canon Canonuary is going away by the way. I had a lot of fun with this even though we didn't love yeah, this I did movie. Too. I feel like that might be coming back again. So if you all liked Canonuary and would like to see more of it, let us know. Uh because we liked it and we don't usually like it when we do these things. So uh <laughs> thank you all so very much for listening to the show. Uh I have been Triplano. I will always be Andrew Leno until February 11th. Don't you forget about me. Dissecting the 80s is a chum sum of this production. <laughs> <laughs>